We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ-likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. I imagine that there would probably be very few people that any of us would know uh, that have served Jesus with one uh, group of believers for such a long time. And uh, it's just a privilege to know Doris and be her pastor and to benefit from the ways that she serves us. So I uh, just want to say thank you one more time, Doris. We're so glad to have you and all that you do. So would you pray with me one more time, and then we'll dive into Luke chapter 9. Father, we thank you this morning for your heart for us, your care for us. We thank you that you love us in such a way that you sent your son to serve us and to stand in our place, that we might have a relationship with you. And so God, as we think about the ways that you have served us, we thank you for Doris and all the ways that she has served you and the ways that she's served us as well. We thank you that we get to see a glimpse of your heart in her and in the things that she's done to serve you here. And we praise your name for that. God, I pray that you would give all of us the sustaining, empowering grace to continue to serve you wherever you have put us. God, that we might understand that all power and authority comes from you that we might understand that you give power and authority to your servants to serve you and to proclaim your kingdom. And so, God, we ask that you would help us to see these truths this morning. We ask that you would use your word, plant it deep in us as we've sung. And, Lord, would you change us and make us more like you. God, that wherever we are, wherever you call us, wherever you ask us to serve, God, that your glory and your grace might be on display through us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you who are here in person, and uh, we're so glad that you're joining us online, those who are tuning in from home. uh, Cannot wait for the day when we can all be together once again. Um, And I know that we all feel that and long for that, and I'm excited for that day when it comes. And the Lord will bring it. We believe that. So uh, Luke chapter 9, we're going to continue our series in the Gospel of Luke this morning. If you've been following along with us, or maybe if you need a refresher, uh, a gospel is simply uh, an account of of good news as, as told through the life of an individual. Uh, That word gospel means good news, and in the ancient world, it particularly had to do with the coming of a king and his victory. And so as we read the gospel of Luke or the gospel of Matthew or Mark or John, what we are reading about is the coming of King Jesus to redeem and rescue his people from a dark and broken world and from the darkness within sin itself. And so this is what we're reading about. We're reading about who Jesus is 
And Luke is telling us, just as he wrote to Theophilus, this uh, well-respected man in, in the Roman government so many years ago, he's writing for us as well to understand who Jesus is. And this morning, we're going, to see, uh, we're going to see how Jesus takes his followers and what he does through them. And so Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, I'm going to read our passage, and then we'll jump in and we'll see uh, four or five different things this morning that I think the Lord would have for us to see. Here's what Luke writes for us. And remember, he's writing this just after Jesus has demonstrated his power and authority over so many different things in creation. He's demonstrated it over creation itself. He's demonstrated his power and authority over the demonic and the darkness. He's demonstrated his power and authority over illnesses and even over death itself. And so Luke has been showing us just how powerful and mighty and how much authority this God-man Jesus Christ has. And then we see this passage where Jesus turns to the the 12. And here's what we read. And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So Jesus has just been shown to us by Luke to have this tremendous power and authority, and then he calls his 12 closest followers, the the original disciples who would become apostles, and then he gives them his power and authority to do ministry. And so here's the first thing I want us to see this morning, particularly about power and authority, is that power and authority come from Jesus the King. You see, he gives them power and authority here. So let's talk about what those two words mean just a little bit. Power, power has to do with ability, right? And then, and then authority has to do with right. And so to say he's giving them power is he's giving them the ability to do this kind of ministry he's calling them to do. And then to say he's giving them the authority is that they have the right to do it. And so uh, power has to do with ability. Authority has to do with what we're, uh, not just what we're able to do, but what we have the right to do. And so Jesus is entrusting them with something here. Jesus entrusts them with power and authority, and he does so uh, particularly over all demons and to cure diseases, right? Which is exactly what we've seen Jesus doing, right? Jesus the king has been casting out demons, pushing back the darkness, and he's been curing the sick. He's been healing them. And then he turns to his followers, and he gives them his power. Power and authority come from Jesus the king. And we might read passages like this where where Jesus turns to his followers, turns to his disciples, and says, hey, I'm going to give you my power, my authority, and you go and do this. 
So he gives them power over the demonic. He gives them power to heal. And then we think, okay, well, what kind of power and authority has Jesus given to us us today? Because I don't know about you, but it's, it's not often that I'm going throughout the city and I'm casting out demons. It's not often that I'm laying my hands on the sick and they're being healed. I say it's not often, right? I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm not saying that demons are not cast out, darkness is not pushed back. I'm not saying that sometimes when we pray, God doesn't heal someone and we don't see miracles happen. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that when we look at the disciples' experience, then we look at ours, there seems to be a little bit of a difference, right? Or does your life look like this? Are you casting out demons wherever you go and healing all who are sick? Because if you are, then we really need to get you down to the hospital. And, and we really need to get you praying for some more people. So if you could see me after service, we could, we could get that going. Um, but, but, but if we look at our lives, they look different than this, don't they? And so the question is, so if Jesus gives this kind of power and authority to the 12 disciples, then, then what kind of power and authority does Jesus give us today? Well, the first thing that I want to say, I want to go back to this idea from this first point. Power and authority themselves. If we're to understand what kind of power and authority Jesus has given us, we have to understand that power and authority come from Jesus. There is no other source of power and authority. Power, when we talk about power, you know, we think about power, and and oftentimes we think about the ways that power is, is abused, right? In our world, we think about power and authority and how often we see them misused for personal gain, right? We see people take power and authority and do harm with them. And, and so the first thing we have to understand about power biblically is that power is derivative. Any, any power or authority that we have is given to us by God because he is the only source of all power and authority. You see, we see power misused and, and we see it taken advantage of. And then what I often see is that people take power and authority and, and they twist it in so many different ways. And so I'll see this in, in marriages and in homes a lot where people take power and authority and, and they misuse it and they do harm to those around them. And, and, and the first two things that we've got to understand about power and authority this morning are that it comes from Jesus, and then it's to be used for Jesus' purposes. And so, so power is derivative. We, we don't own power or authority. We don't, we don't possess it. It's given to us. It's a stewardship. And so the disciples here, they're given power and authority from Jesus as, as a stewardship. He's giving them his power and authority to do something specific we'll get into in just a moment. And so if we're to understand what kind of power and authority has Jesus given us today, then we've got to first understand that that power and authority, whatever kind we have, it comes from God. You know, when we talk about spiritual power, so, so we're talking about power over the demonic, we're talking about 
uh, even, even spiritual gifts, for example. Um, I'll often hear people talk about uh, spiritual gifts as though they own them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like they'll say, I, I can speak in tongues right now, or I can prophesy right now, or, or I could cast out demons right now, or I could heal the sick right now. I remember this one time, uh, we were at a, a worship night in college, our first couple of years of college, my wife and I, and we were at this worship night, and, and this girl, she kind of interrupts our, our singing and prayer time, and she says, I feel the power. She says, I've, I've got the gift of healing. I have it. If you'll just let me touch you, then whatever you're dealing with, it'll go away. And, and the way that she saw this gift of, of healing was that it was hers, that she owned it, that she possessed it. And here's the thing. She did lay hands on some people and pray for some people. And they weren't healed. Their physical ailments, their problems, they didn't go away. And so either this girl didn't have the gift of healing or she at least didn't understand the kind of power and authority that Jesus gives his people. Because she had this confidence that it belonged to her, that she owned it, that she could do with it what she wants. And then she tried and nothing happened. And we see things like this and then we, in our experience, and then we see the disciples' experience and we wonder, what's happening? Well, I think we misunderstand that power and authority are derivative. They come from Jesus, and they're only to be used by his purposes when he wants them to be accomplished. And, he, and what we see, what we talked about a little bit already, is that Jesus demonstrates his own power and authority for what purpose? Why does Jesus, why does Jesus heal the sick? Why does he cast out demons? Why does he do these kinds of things? We just talked about in the last couple of weeks how he, he raised a little girl from the dead, right? But then she died again. So, so if he raised her from the dead, but then she was just going to die again, what was the point? What was the purpose? Why did Jesus exercise his power and authority over illness, over death? Well, he did it to demonstrate who he is as the king, that he is the creator, that he is the king, that he is sovereign and has authority and power over life and death itself. Jesus does the miracles that he does so that we'll know who he is and we'll trust him. And similarly, the way that he often works in our lives, when he demonstrates his power and authority through us, it's for the same purpose. It's to demonstrate who he is so that we will put our trust in him. You see, power and authority aren't given to us from Jesus to do with him what we want to do whenever we want to do it. Power and authority, spiritual power and authority come from Jesus. They're to be used for his purposes. And, they're, and it's only possible when the Spirit of God, when, when Jesus' Spirit does something through us. So we don't, we don't own power and authority. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It's derivative. 
It comes from Jesus, and it's to be used for his purposes. And his purpose for it is to demonstrate who he is so that we would believe. And, and, and why does he do it sometimes and not at other times? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not, I'm not Jesus. I don't know why he chooses to demonstrate it in some moments and not others, but I do know that when he does do it, it's him doing it, not us, and it's for his glory and our good. So the first thing that we have to understand about power and authority is that they come from Jesus the King. Look at verse 2 with me. It says, And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Here we see that power and authority are given for Jesus' kingdom mission. And I just want to note for just a minute here as, as, we, as we note that they're given for Jesus' kingdom mission. Look at, look at the two different kinds of things that are involved with that. He sends the disciples out to do something, right? He sends them out to do two things, actually. One is to proclaim the kingdom. So they're to, to preach. They're to preach the good news that Jesus the king has come. And now the domain of darkness, the domain of Satan and demons and of sin, it, it's pushed back because the king is here. They're to proclaim the good news that the king has come and that he will win the victory for his people. And then... They're also to heal. So not only are they to deal with spiritual problems, but they deal with physical ones as well. You see, oftentimes when we think about the mission that Jesus has given to his disciples, all we think about is preaching the gospel. And we ought to think about preaching the gospel. This is, this is central to the mission that Jesus has given us. The mission he's given us, church, is to make disciples of all nations, of all the people groups of the world. We're to take the good news of Jesus Christ to them. And, and God has promised that as we do this, that he's going to save and redeem people from all over the world. And that one day, we won't just worship in a room together like this but we'll worship around his throne with our brothers and sisters from all over the world and all throughout history. Jesus has given us a mission to make disciples, but what you see in Jesus' ministry and in the disciples' ministry is that preaching the good news is not all that they do. They also care for the sick. They also care for those who are under demonic oppression. They care for both spiritual and physical needs of people. And again, the reason that they do this is so that people will see who Jesus is, that he's good and kind and sovereign and just, and he's merciful and gracious, and that he's both God, who has also come to save and stood in our place as a human being who knows our pain and cares about it. You see, Jesus' ministry has both a care for the spiritual needs of people and the physical, and so does his disciples. And I would argue so should ours. We ought to be about preaching the gospel. It is central to what Jesus has given us to do. In fact, it is the central thing that Jesus has given us to do. But as we go about preaching the gospel, we should care for the hurting around us. You see what I'm saying there? 
We see this throughout the Gospels. We see it in Acts as well. This is what Jesus does as he works his power and authority through his people by his spirit. And so I wanted you to notice that, but look with me again at this point too. Power and authority are given for Jesus' kingdom mission. One of my favorite shows is The West Wing. Who's seen The West Wing? I want to see how dated this illustration is. Anybody seen The West Wing? Okay, so we've got five. Okay, well, I'll explain the general principle here. So The West Wing is this show about uh, President Bartlett. He's this fictional president and his staff and what they're trying to accomplish, okay? They've got some goals, just like any president. They've got an agenda, right? And he's got a team. And what, what happens in the show oftentimes is President Bartlett will entrust to his senior advisors, uh, Sam Seaborn, uh, Toby Ziegler, Joshua Lyman, these other characters in the show, his, his presidential advisors, he, he entrusts to them, to his staff, a message and a mission. He, he entrusts to them some of his power and authority to go to meetings, to have conversations, and to try to accomplish something. And similarly, this is what Jesus does with his people, with his followers, with his disciples, with you and me. He entrusts us with a message and a mission. He gives us a message of good news, and it's good news about the kingdom of God. I want you to see that as we walk through the Gospel of Luke, that whenever he talks about the good news, he's often talking about the Gospel or the good news in the context of the kingdom and of how Jesus is the King. You see, we we can't separate this Gospel of grace and good news and, and the kingdom of God. They are intimately tied together as they're presented to us in the Bible. And so the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom or the gospel about the king. It's the good news that we find in the king and his victory and what the king has done for us. And so the king, he then entrusts to us something. He gives us his power and authority to say something and to do something. So Jesus, he entrusts to the disciples here, power and authority to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. They're they're his ambassadors. This is how the Bible talks about our role in the service of God in his kingdom. Paul, Paul says that we are ambassadors for Christ, right? We've been entrusted with a message and we've been sent into a land that is foreign. It's foreign to the kingdom that we belong to. You ever gone to a foreign country and, and tried to communicate something? And, and, and you don't know the language, you don't know the customs, and, and so it's just difficult, right? It, it's hard to convey what you're trying to say. And so similarly, this mission we have, this message that we have from King Jesus to a dark world that is broken by sin as we preach the good news to sinners, it's, it's gonna some, sometimes it's not going to get across. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. Because we're ambassadors sent from the kingdom, from the king, to a foreign land with a message and a mission. The message is the good news about King Jesus and how he's come to save and redeem us from sin. 
And then the mission is that we would make disciples or we would make followers of King Jesus from all the people groups of the world. And so we're entrusted with power and authority for Jesus' mission. Third, I want you to see that power and authority come from Jesus, sorry, power and authority from Jesus the King is all that we need for what he's called us to do. Verses three and four, here's what Luke writes for us. He says, and he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and and don't, don't even have two tunics, don't even have two shirts, don't pack two shirts. He says, in whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart. So whenever we go on a trip, I'm an overpacker. Do I have some overpackers in the room? Okay, who's an overpacker? And then who packs exactly what they need for exactly as many days? Pastor Cameron, that doesn't surprise me about you. Uh, I would have guessed. (laughs) Cameron's got stuff very organized and and together. Uh, (laughs) I'm an overpacker. I'm always like, I don't know if I'm going to need this or this, and so I just throw it all in the bag. And, and, and we'll go on a trip for three days, and I'll have seven days worth of stuff. I don't know where the extra four days are going to come from, but it's there, just in case. Uh, you know, and, and everywhere we go, it's, like, it's not like I couldn't find a washer and dryer and, like, wash stuff if I needed to, but I still pack extra stuff. I mean, I pack more than my wife does. I'm an overpacker. What Jesus just said to his disciples is, hey, I'm going to send you out to do ministry in cities and in places that you're not familiar with, that you don't live there, that you don't have relatives, that you don't have anywhere to stay. And you're going to find a place to stay. You're not even going to take a bag with you. In fact, just go with the shirt that's on your back. Don't even pack an extra. And you're going to be gone for several days, if not weeks, and you're going to be doing my work. And I just want you to go I want you to trust me. You see, here's what we've got to understand is that power and authority from Jesus, the King, that what we receive from Jesus is what we need to do what Jesus has asked us to do. So you and I, we spend all this time worrying about what we think that we need to do what Jesus has asked of us. And we spend more time worrying about how we don't think we have what we need to do what he's called us to do than we do actually doing what he's called us to do. We worry so much, and we've got a good God who cares for us. We've got a God who doesn't want us to be without what we need to do his work. Do you see how how crazy this is? that we worry so much about not having what we need to do what Jesus has asked us to do. And it's Jesus who's asked us to do it. God asks us to do things. He calls us to do things in the service of his kingdom and his mission. And we spend more time worrying about not having what we need to do it than we do actually doing it. When if we would actually just do what he's asked of us, we would see that he provides. He provides not what we think we need, not what we want, but what we actually need to do what he's asked us to do. 
So what is it in your life that, that, that you continually make excuses for not doing that God has asked of you? What is it that you say, God, I can't do blank because blank? We say things like, God, I can't, I can't go to the mission field because my, my family's here. I can't go to the mission field because I'm too old now or, or I'm too young. I don't have enough experience. You know, some of the most effective missionaries are actually retirees and college students. They're people who, you know, if they looked at their life, they would think, I'm too old for this. I'm too young for this. But the, the opposite is actually true. They're serving Jesus all over the world in places that are hard to reach because God's given them things. He's given them what they need. And so he calls them, and they just go. They just do it. You know, I, I saw this video on TikTok. Um, some of you are chuckling because, you know, TikTok. But <laughs> I saw this video on TikTok, and, and, and this quote comes from kind of a secular self-help person. But, but I thought there was still some value to it. He said about our fears when we're afraid to do something. If you're afraid to do something, do it scared. Do it afraid. I think we could apply that to to what Jesus asks us to do. If Jesus has asked you to do something that you're afraid of doing, just do it afraid. Do it with the little bit of fear or worry or anxiety you have and see him provide, see him work the things that he does, see him do incredible things for his glory and your good by just obeying him, by just taking the step in faith and doing what he's called you to do. If he tells you not to pack an extra shirt, don't pack an extra shirt. Go do what he's asked and see what he does. You see, we, we, we make all kinds of excuses to not do the things that God has asked us to do. We say, I can't go to the mission field because of X, Y, or Z. We say, God, I can't rejoice because my situation right now is really awful. My relationships are strained. I don't have any money. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. When in reality, God's not calling us to rejoice in our situation. He's calling us to rejoice in him. You see that? When, when the Bible commands us to praise God, when the Bible commands us to rejoice, it's never telling us rejoice in the circumstances that surround you because oftentimes the circumstances aren't worth rejoicing in. God asks us to, to rejoice in him because he's always good even when things aren't. He's always worthy even when our circumstances aren't. He's worthy of your trust. He's worthy of your praise. You can have a joy in him even when the things of this world don't bring you joy. Even when life is really hard. We say, God, I can't profess my faith in you publicly because through baptism or or share the gospel with my family because they'll think I'm a lunatic. They'll think I've joined a cult or something. They'll think I'm crazy, a crazy religious nut. When in reality... We're worried about what our family is going to think of us when God has invited us to be a part of his. You know, that's what God has invited you into. He's invited you to be 
his child, to be a part of his family. He said, I'll be your closest friend when you have no others. I will be the father who never leaves you, even if yours does. I will be the one who always loves you, even when people don't. He's invited us to belong to him, to be a part of his family. And then, and then we worry about what publicly professing our faith in him might do to our relationships here that are temporary and what he's offering us is eternal. You see, we make excuses, God, I can't blank because blank. And if we would just go do what he's asked us, we would see he's good and he provides. Because he's asked us to be about his mission, his work. All right, let's move on. Uh, point, point four, here's what I want you to see next about power and authority. Power and authority are given to distinguish those who accept King Jesus from those who reject him. Look at verse five with me. Here's what, here's what Luke says. And whatever, wherever they do not receive you, so they go to these towns to, to preach the good news and to heal the sick, and he says, and wherever they don't receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. You see, everyone will respond to Jesus. You have to do something with who Jesus is. You'll either accept him and follow him, or you'll reject him and run further away and pursue your own way. Jesus is a king, and he demands our allegiance, our loyalty, our trust. He's a teacher who's called us to follow him and learn from him. He is God who has made us and then pursued us to redeem us. Power and authority are given to the disciples here so that when they go to preach the gospel, they go to do ministry, that there will be a response, not to them, but to the one who sent them. He sends us out, church, not so that people will accept or reject us, though they will, but so that they will have the opportunity to respond to his message, to who he is. Jesus sends us out with power and authority so that there would be this distinguishing between those who accept him as king and those who reject him as king. And we see there's this illustration. He tells them, when people reject you, whenever they reject what I've sent you to do, whenever the mission, whenever they reject what I've sent you to say, the message, then what they've really done is they've rejected me, the king. And he says, so when that happens, shake the dust off your feet. In the ancient world, your feet would get really dirty because you wore these like open-toed kind of sandal-like things on your feet. And then you would walk on these dirty, dirty roads and your feet would be filthy. It would be dusty and dirty. And so Jesus is saying, when they reject me, when they reject you that I've sent to offer them hope, to offer them good news, when you leave that place, Shake the dust off your feet. That means clean your feet off. You know, we have a similar kind of, of illustration phrase that gets at this idea. We say, my, my hands are clean, right? So he's saying, shake the dust off your feet. What we say is, is my hands are clean, okay? 
I, I, I've said what I needed to say. I, I, I've told you what you needed to hear. And, and you've not responded. And so my, my hands are clean. My, my hands are clean. My heart's pure. I, I don't have any further responsibility. I, I've offered this to you, and, and you've chosen to reject it. So he's saying, do this as a testimony against them because when they reject you and the message I've sent you to proclaim and they reject your ministry, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And so do it as a testimony against them to demonstrate that this is what they've done. That your hands are clean. You shake the dust off your feet. That you've done what you were called to do. And they chose to reject the good news. Sometimes people reject the good news. Sometimes, sometimes it is the people we care about most. Sometimes it is, it is the person that we, we know what they most desperately need right now is hope in Jesus Christ. And, and we plead with them and we share with them and we proclaim the good news of God's kingdom to them. And they don't want any part of it. Sometimes that's the result. Sometimes that's what happens. What you're called to do is not to make sure that someone responds the way that they should. What you're called to do, what you and I have been asked to do, is to proclaim the good news. Is to offer it. And then it's, it's on them. That's all we can do, church. All we can do is offer people good news in Jesus Christ. That's, that's the humbling thing about what God has asked of us. You and I, we don't have any kind of power and authority to change someone's life. We don't. We have a message that's powerful. We have a king that's powerful. And any power and authority that's entrusted to us is really his, and it's given to us so that we might proclaim him. And then he works in people's lives. So power and authority, it's given to distinguish those who accept the king and those who don't. And finally, here's the last thing about power and authority. Power and authority are given to us to do what King Jesus asks and empowers us to do. Look at verse 6. So he tells them, I'm giving you my power and authority. He, he then sends them out to proclaim the kingdom and to heal. He tells them, don't take anything with you. And then wherever they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. And then here's their response. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing Power and authority are given to us to do what Jesus has asked us to do. And what Jesus has asked us to do, he empowers us to do. So here's the question this morning. Is what are you doing? What are you and I doing with what Jesus has entrusted to us? Are you doing what he's asked you to do? And if not, why? Why? Are you worried you won't have what you need? Are you worried about what people will think? Are you worried you won't be effective? That's a big one we struggle with. But the good news is we're, we're, not, we're not supposed to be the effective one. 
That's not the kind of power and authority we have. Only Jesus has that kind of power and authority. The power and authority that he entrusts to us is to do what he's asked, which is to proclaim the kingdom and to seek to bring healing to the hurting. We can do this because Jesus empowers us, not because we're able or we have the right to, but because Jesus works in us and through us. You see, we too were given divine power and authority to preach the good news of the kingdom that pushes the darkness back. And it's not, it's not us pushing the darkness back, it's Jesus working through us. We too can help people find healing and wholeness in Jesus Christ, if, if not physically. If Jesus doesn't decide to, to heal as we pray, then certainly spiritually, with the hope that one day those who have experienced a, a spiritual healing, wholeness, redemption as they turn from sin and trust in Christ, one day King Jesus will also bring healing to their physical bodies as well. He'll make us new. The things we experience now will be done away with will be whole, will be restored. So back to kind of the question I asked at the beginning. What kind of power and authority does Jesus give us? He gives us his power and authority. Does that mean you're always going to be able to cast demons out and heal the sick? No, because guess what? Even though the disciples saw Jesus work in and through them, tremendously in these ways, much more often than maybe you or I, it doesn't mean that this is always what happened for them either. You know, they tried to do things for God sometimes and couldn't do it. Do you remember they, they had to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we tried to cast that demon out and it just wouldn't go. They came to him and they asked, what's up? Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes things don't happen the way that we think or, or want them to happen. But Jesus has also given us power and authority. The same kind of power and authority that he gives his disciples. But ultimately, the results are left to God. We go and we preach the good news. We go and we pray for the sick. Sometimes God heals people. But I'll say this again and again. The thing about miracles is they're miracles. They are by definition rare. So if you expect your walk of faith to be you just praying for people left and right and people just getting healed, that's, that's probably not how it's going to play out. I mean, maybe Jesus does something spectacular that, that we didn't imagine he would do, but that he's able to do anyway. But miracles are by nature rare. They're miraculous. They are not the norm. I got a great question either last week or the week before. Somebody asked me after church, but, but isn't what Jesus 
does in us and through us isn't, isn't what Jesus has asked us to do. Isn't, it, isn't that, by definition, miraculous? I said, well, it's definitely supernatural. You see, here's what, how I would distinguish these two ideas. The miraculous is rare. It's a miracle. It's not what normally happens. The supernatural is very normal. It, the supernatural is occurring all the time. The supernatural occurs every time you pray for someone that's sick, every time you pray for someone who needs to know Jesus to know him. The supernatural happens every time that a heart and life is changed by the gospel. The supernatural happens every time you get up and open the book and read God's words. The supernatural is happening all the time because King Jesus is always at work in and through his people by the power of his Holy Spirit. He is always about his mission. He is always accomplishing his purposes, whether you and I see them or not. But he's invited us in to be a part of it, and he sends us out. So would you pray with me? King Jesus, we come to you this morning knowing that you're the one that holds all power and authority, which means you're in control, and we're not. Sometimes that makes us anxious, and so God, would you, would you help us to trust you? God of peace, would you guard our hearts with your peace? God of peace, would you give us peace as we seek to do your will, and would you empower us to do it? God, I pray, would you fill us with your spirit? God, I pray, give us the power and authority we need to be about your mission. And I pray that knowing that you have. So thanking you for it as well. God, I pray for my friends who maybe haven't decided to follow you yet. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do by your power and authority in their heart. I pray that you would make them come to life in Christ. I pray that you would cause them to trust in Jesus and follow after him with their whole heart and mind, their body and soul. And God, would you help us? Would you help us as you send us out from this place, especially in the midst of a pandemic when sometimes it's Sometimes we can't do the things that we normally do or the way we would do them. God, would you show us how to be about your mission and to do your work even in the times when we don't know how? Because, God, you have that kind of power and authority. And so we trust in you. We ask all these things in the name of King Jesus. Amen.